Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices, Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. Don Wardlaw was a man that God used mightily over the years. He was a wonderful pastor and evangelist. This sermon was preached at his home church many years ago, probably in the early 70s, and it's titled, The Judgment. I know you will enjoy this wonderful sermon. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel is receiving revelations and visions. Many of the visions which Daniel received he did not understand. In fact, we are told that he became physically ill because he did not understand and out of a desire to understand the visions which he had seen. Some of the visions that he saw are rather mysterious even today. But there is one vision that he saw, or one thing which he saw in his vision which is not mysterious. And we have that in chapter 7 of his book, beginning with verse 9. I beheld till the thrones were cast down. with one of the most awe-inspiring scenes in all of sacred scripture. When I think of scenes which are greater than I can comprehend in their scope, this is one of the things that I think of. I think of Calvary. I think of the ascension. I think of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. But I think transcending all of them is this awesome scene that we have pictured for us tonight in our portion of Scripture. The time when God shall be the judge himself. And when all the nations of the earth shall be gathered together and there before God who is the judge. In fact, the Scriptures tell us that the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed judgment unto the Son. There will be this great scene transpire that you and I have read about in our scripture lesson tonight. The judgment of which we speak is another grand and glorious dispensation in which the justice and the mercy of Almighty God will finally and once and for all be exhibited. 
No one will go from the judgment seat of Christ with any other appeal. No one will go from that place with any other cry coming from his heart or his lips. But that the honest declaration I have, what I have coming to me, I am getting my just deserts. The judgment will be the final testimony of God the Father to the efficiency and the efficacious nature of the atonement of Jesus Christ. It will be the final testimony that God has accepted the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. For no one will be acquitted in that day but those who have accepted the salvation that is provided through Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other way of salvation, the Bible declares. And friend, if the Bible is true, it is tonight. When God parts those from the right hand and those on the left, it will be God's final seal to the work and his acceptance of his son, his righteous life, his vicarious death, and the sacrifice that he made on Calvary's cross. There will be no other appeal. There will be no other way. You and I are going to be judged according to the gospel. We are going to be brought face to face with the light which we had. You and I are going to be brought to face to face with the one who came, who made himself poor, that you and I through his poverty might be rich. You and I are going to stand before the blazing judgment bar of Almighty God. And there we are going to give an account of the works that we have done. There is probably no stronger uh, scripture which refutes uh, Calvinism in the scripture than this scripture. For you and I, uh, it is explicitly said, we are going to be judged according to the works that we have done in the body. That is not to exclude faith. That is not to exclude the fact that we must have trust in the Savior. But it simply verifies the fact that when we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior, our lives are transformed. Our souls are made anew. Our spirits come in contact with Almighty God. And we have spiritual life in our being. That life is holy life. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Praise the Lord. And our, our faith issues in right works, in righteous living. And friend, when you and I come to the judgment bar of an almighty God, the Bible said that the books are going to be opened. And you and I are going to be judged according to the things that are written in the books. What a solemn scene. What a solemn assembly. Every individual from the first person who lived on this earth until the last individual whoever was on this earth is going to be there. Every individual is going to have to give an account of the deeds done in the body. We're going to be judged according to the light which we have received according to the opportunities which we have had. God in heaven is keeping the record tonight. The children often sing that little song There's uh, about the one in heaven who sees all I do and who hears all I say. My Lord's a-writing all the time. 
All right, you, ladies and gentlemen, it is simply a faint picture of what God is going to bring. With, uh, the books perhaps are figurative. Someone said perhaps they are figurative. I don't know. I believe that there is a literal Lamb's book of life. Amen. Whosoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible said is cast into the lake of fire. What an awful issue is going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. You and I are going to be there. You may be late for every appointment, other appointment on this earth, but you're not going to be late for this appointment, friend. You may be able by one manner or another to escape every other summons that you ever receive on this earth. But friend, you will not escape the summons that's going to come one of these days when God sets the judgment in order and God calls every individual from wherever they are when the death and hell give up the dead which are in them and the sea gives up the dead which are in it and the dead small and great stand before God and the judgment is set and the books are open and you're going to be there and I'm going to be there. It's going to be a collective gathering of Adam's race. They're going to come from the north and the south and the east and the west and there you and I are going to face our record. We're writing our record every day. Every day we live, we're writing a record. Whether we are besmirching the pages with sin or whether through the blood of Jesus Christ we are keeping those pages clean and white is up to us and our acceptance or rejection of the, of the gospel and the plan of salvation. But I tell you, friend, God in heaven is keeping the record and you and I are going to be there to face whatever record we have written. Not only is it going to be a collective group of people and body of people there it is going to be an individual judgment each one of us must stand individually before the judgment seat of Christ think of it every individual here is going to stand there when we think of the trials that are happening across our world tonight the many men and women who are incarcerated in our penitentiaries and in our prisons and they're talking about building bigger prisons and more rooms in them and enlarging because of the awfulness of sin and the pre prevalence of wickedness and vice and violence in our land. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you may never be so unfortunate to be called to court in our land, but one of these days you shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The gavel will fall, your name will be called, and court will be in session. What an awesome time. When you stand there before the one who the Bible said whose eyes are like a, bla a blazing fire, who from whose face the heaven and earth seeks a place to hide but can find no place to go. But you and I as mortal, responsible creatures are going to stand there. We're going to stand there individually. We're not going to stand there as a corporate body as the church. We're not going to stand there as a corporate body of the family. I'm not going to stand by the side of my wife or have the privilege of having her stand by me. Neither will I ever be able to point my finger at anyone and say if they had done better, if they had done something other than what they did, then my life would have been different. God's going to judge every one of us on our individual merits. It is true that we are, we are creatures of influence and we are creatures who are influenced. But ladies and gentlemen, whatever influence we have or whatever may have influenced us, 
You and I are responsible before God for what we did individually. Not simply collectively, not just what the body did, but I am responsible before Almighty God. And someday I must come to the place where I face the record that I wrote. I'm not going to face what the church thought about me. I'm not going to face what the wicked world thought about me. I'm not going to give an answer for what ungodly people thought about me. And neither am I going to face the church and have them give an account of what they thought of. I'm going to stand there in the blazing, penetrating, holy light of the judgment of Almighty God. And that I'm going to be individually while the light of God shines through my moral, never-dying soul. And uh, somewhere, I don't know if this is going to where it's going to be or not. Well, you know what? Electronically, they say that uh, there, is a, there would be a possibility that the sound never ceases. Sound is, is always uh, being hidden away someplace. It might be such a thing that if we knew how and could advance technologically some way, we can roll back the tape recorder of time until we can listen to the Gettysburg Address as it fell from the lips of Mr. Lincoln. It might be possible for us to roll back the tape recorder until we can listen to the speeches of George Washington or Napoleon. That might be possible. In fact, they're telling us that probably it may be possible scientifically. But I want to tell you something, friend. The God who knows all and the God who created all and the God who is over all, one of these days who, through whatever means he must use and whatever means he has at his disposal, infinite as they are, is going to bring my record I'm going to face my life as it was lived. Every footstep he will be able to trace. Every place I've driven my automobile, he'll know every turn I made, whether it was right or wrong. Every word I said, every thought I entertained, all my imaginations will be there for the assembled universe to see as I face my record. What an awesome time! when every mystery is unraveled, when the dark and hidden things of this world are brought to light. Just this past week, there have been two terrorist incidents in the world, one the bombing of a, of a nightclub over in West Germany, the other the bombing of a plane as it flew in the air from one airport to another. They don't seem to know who did it. They seem to think they have a name, but... But uh, the, one, uh, the one instance, the woman is denying she was there and denying she knew anything about it. I don't know what happened, neither do you, but I know this friend, that there's a God in heaven who saw that explosive place in that plane. There's a God in heaven who saw whoever or whomever it was who placed that bomb in that nightclub. God knows every footstep. God can trace to the centimeter exactly where every footstep was when they under the probably under the cover of night or somewhere got into that place and placed their explosives. Friend, multiply that by the tens of millions of people who live in this world tonight and you begin to get a faint picture of what the judgment's going to all be about. Strange things are happening in our world. The underworld that you and I have only a shadow evasion of what it is. Crimes that are committed that are never solved. Criminals who are on the run and on the loose tonight. Identities are changed and places are changed and, and uh, fingerprints are changed as much as possible. And there they are going here and there. I, I was uh, shocked to, to read in a, in a reputable magazine just the other day that in our United States, 
that uh, one out of every three women under the age, one out of every three girls under the age of 18 years of age will be raped in her lifetime. One out of every three. You and I have a, have a one in 50 chance of being killed in an automobile accident during our lifetime. You have a, about a one in 10 chance of having a major, serious automobile accident in your lifetime. And you can go all the way through statistics. Ladies and gentlemen, God knows all about these things. God knows about the perpetrators of these crimes. And you and I, friend, are going to stand as all mankind before the judgment bar of God. I'm not so concerned about the underworld tonight. I'm not so concerned, and I, uh, in this sense, I, I do have a concern, but I'm not so much concerned about the terrorists who are placing the bombs. I'm preaching to people tonight who are enlightened people who know the gospel. I'm preaching to people who know about the death and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ, who know something of the power of the Holy Ghost, who understand something of the light of the gospel, who have sat time after time in meetings where the gospel was preached and where camp meeting services where the Holy Ghost came. I'm concerned about us tonight because, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be there. Not just the, the gangster, not just the trigger man who sends a man hurtling out into eternity with the shot of a gun, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be there. The preacher's going to be there. The Sunday school superintendent's going to be there. Every one of us are going to meet God one of these days, and we're going to give an account. And you and I are going to face the record books. Whether they be books as I understand the book or not, I do not know. But I know this, friend, the idea is there that I'm going to face whatever record I've made. Yes, sir. It may be like a giant video screen by which God will, will exactly enact not only the action that was done, but the motive that was behind the action. I don't know. I... I don't understand how God's going to do that. That's not really none of my business. But I know it's going to happen, friend. And I know you're going to be there and I'm going to be there. When God opens the books, the book of opportunity is going to be there. You and I are going to have to face every service, every opportunity we had to hear the gospel. Every time the word was preached, the truth came to our hearts. You and I are going to face that time one of these days. I thank God for the privilege of attending service. I thank God for church. I thank God for convention. I thank God for camp meeting. Thank God for prayer meeting. But ladies and gentlemen, we have a tremendous obligation tonight to walk in the light because one of these days, under God, we're going to face every opportunity we had. We're not only going to face the opportunities in that way, we're going to face the opportunities we had to do good to the bodies and souls of men. My record of opportunities is going to be there. My record of light is going to be there. God knows the amount of light I have. I don't know the amount of light you have. And you don't know the amount of light your neighbor has, but God knows. And God who deals with every one of us individually God who deals with every soul as an individual entity is going to bring us to the judgment bar of God and open the book of light. And there I am going to face the truth that God made 
obligatory to my life. It became light to me. It revealed my pathway of duty. And there I'm going to have to face the light that God gave me. I'm going to have to face the world, the deeds that I have done. I think one of the remarkable, as I mentioned before, one of the remarkable things about this text, especially in, in Revelation, is how many times the word works is used. I don't have time to count them up now, but if you want to count them, wait till you get home from church. But he said the books were opened, and there was another book opened, the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things that written in the books according to their works. In verse 13, according to the works, works, friend, you and I are going to have to face the deeds we have done. Say, preacher, it was done in secret. It was done in the dark of the night. It was done where no one knew me. No one knew where I was or who I was when I did that thing of which I am ashamed. Friend, get it under the blood tonight. But someday you're going to face that deed. I don't care how dark the night was. There is an eye to whom the darkness and light are both alike. The record was made. God saw what you did. God knew where you were. And you and I are going to have to face the deeds that we have done in this body. The unkind deeds, the thoughtless deeds, or the kind deeds and the thoughtful deeds. And when I preach on the judgment, I don't want to just be all negative and talk about the unkind things and the impure things. Listen, friend, God who sees in secret is going to one day reward people openly. Hallelujah. There have been some kind things done to my wife and I along the trail of our ministry that we've never known who did it. We've never been able to trace and find out. I remember one morning, we had been, we were very low on groceries and even lower on money. And one of the families that we were acquainted with had, had, uh, had left us to care for their three children. We just didn't have food to put on the table. We got to praying about it. One morning when we went to the front door of the parsonage down in the state of Oklahoma, I went to go out the door and almost fell over four or five sacks of groceries. And I, I got all excited. You, you wouldn't blame me, would you, if I got all excited? I got all excited. And I turned around to my wife and with the excitement in my voice and with tears running down my cheeks, I said, oh dear, look what's on our front porch. She came hurrying, and there were those sacks of groceries out there on the front porch. Friend, to this day, I do not know where they came from. I don't know, I really have no idea where the chess. There was a small church. It might have been one of the church members. It might have been some of the kind neighbors we had in the area and along the street. I don't know. We haven't told anybody about our need. What is the Lord, our Heavenly Father? And we've been talking to the Lord, and God has been talking to somebody. I have no idea who it was, but one of these days, with a chance, when the world is called, when the books are open, God's going to reward somebody for some sacks of groceries they left on the preacher's doorstep. Praise the Lord. I couldn't even tell them thank you. I have no way of thanking them. But they did their works in secret. And God who sees in secret is going to reward them openly. Hallelujah. 
Listen for him. Don't be afraid of not getting the credit. Just mind the Lord and walk in the light. And obey the Holy Ghost. And let God take care of the credit. He has a better interest system than the World Bank. He pays off better than CDs. Praise the Lord. It's better than playing a rising stock market. Thank God he keeps all the records and he keeps them straight and knows the value of everything. Even a cup of cold water given in his name will never lose its reward. By the same token, every dastardly deed that has been done is going to be called into account. It's a... It's a feeble illustration, I know. When I was a boy about John's age, I had a dog that I really loved. I always sort of felt that every boy ought to have a dog. I, I don't preach that as gospel truth. I'm sure you can get to heaven if you've never had a dog, but it just seemed to me like every boy ought to have a dog. I, I guess that because I had a dog. I don't know about the girls. I suppose it wouldn't hurt a girl to have a dog. But my dad had, uh, had gone someplace in his travels, and he had gotten a, a, a bird dog. It, was, it had three bloodlines in it. It was a small dog, didn't stand too high. He, was, uh, he had a little bulldog in him. He was a quarter bulldog. And uh, I love that dog. When you talk to that dog, he had a way of looking up at you and with his little, his, he sort of had a bulldog nose, just not the, not the real radical kind, but you knew enough, you knew he had some bulldog blood in him. And you could talk and talk to that dog and he'd look up at me and wrinkle his nose and act like he knew what I was talking to him about. Yes, I can't tell you how many times I went to the river and took my dog. In those days of turbulent adolescence, growing from a boy to developing physically and mentally, those are turbulent years. Can't tell you how many times I took that dog and went down to the old Snake River, and there I threw sticks into the water and thought about a lot of things. I'd pet my dog. He was a good hunting dog. He had a stubby tail that was about that long. It stood straight up. He'd wag that little old tail when he saw me. I had him so I could just snap my fingers and hold out my arms. He'd jump right up in my arms. I loved to hunt with him. I never know. I haven't known. One winter morning, I got up from, I came up from the basement where my bedroom was. And my mother didn't want me to see, but I saw before she could get me away. Somehow, someone had put out, apparently had put out poisoned meat and had poisoned my little dog. And I watched him as he foamed at the mouth and went into convulsions, turned away sick at heart as only a boy could be sick about his dog dying. And I'll admit that in my heart, lest her hatred rose right up in my heart. And I thought if I knew who did it, I 
get even. I think it's the first time I ever really sensed that I had hatred in my heart. Somebody killed my dog. I went off to school, brokenhearted. My dad came back. He'd put them into work. Came back home. I have a, I have an idea what happened. My dad took his 22 and took the dog out someplace. Put the dog out of his misery. Dug a grave, just a hole in the ground, and buried that little brown and white dog. And he buried part of me with him. And I felt hate. I thought, oh. If I could find out, I have to admit that in my imagination, I planned how I could do it. I thought I knew who did it. I had a pretty good idea. And in my hateful, carnal heart, I thought I, I could slip up, slip up the creek bottom in the willows. I could take the 22. I could get even. Thank God I never found out. Thank God I got saved. I remember when I was needing an altar prayer, God faced me with that attitude. You had hate in your heart to the man who killed your dog. And I had to ask God to forgive me for having that feeling in my heart. But I've never known who it was, and it's just as well. But someday, someday, God's going to put on the great screen of heaven the malice in somebody's heart that poisoned a, dog, a boy's dog. I don't find any consolation in that. Listen, friend, the deeds you do, you're going to have to give an account for them. Oh, it doesn't matter, preacher. I'll do what I want to do. You may do what you want to do, friend, but some of these days you're going to have to give an account for it. I've heard, I've heard people literally say, I don't care what God has to say about it. I'm going to do it anyway, preacher. Be careful, friend. God will let you go. You can do what you want to do. You can take the bit in your teeth and act like you want to act. But somewhere, friend, you're going to give an account for what you do. I'm going to give an account. Now, the deeds that I do, I'm going to give an account for the influence that I wield. My influence is going out. The unconscious influence as well as the conscious influence. I've pastored long enough and I say this kindly and with no one in mind, particularly tonight. But I've pastored long enough to know that there are people whose influence has damned their own loved ones. And someday they're going to give an account for it. Several years ago, I was talking to a certain individual. We were talking about a very serious matter. And I said to this individual, but friend, I have children. And it might be that someday... My children, when they're out from under my care and not living under my roof, will need help. And you or the group you represent may be the only spiritual help that they can have around them. And if you've murdered the influence of yourself or that group to my children, 
My children may be lost because you murdered your influence. There are young people today, Brother Chess, that I can't help. Their parents murdered my influence at the dining room table. I just want to preach to a stone wall as to preach to those people. In my ministry, I've seen young people who found out a certain preacher was coming, and I've seen the snarl come in their lips and the tone of voice change, and I knew that somewhere back in the history of that young person, somebody had murdered the influence of God's man. Now I'll say what I want to say. I'll do what I want to do. No, friend, please don't do that. I say it kindly. I say it with every ounce of strength I have. If you're a parent here tonight, whether you agree with me or not as the pastor of the church, please don't murder my influence to your children. If you do, I weep about this, Brother Chad. I'm going to face my influence one of these days. The careless word. The careless deed. The shrug of the shoulder. The look. Didn't have to say anything, just the look. That the children understood. And they just turned the messenger off. I'm going to tell you something. I'm talking about something serious tonight, friends. I'm going to have to face my influence. I'm going to have to face it. Some years ago when the children were all home, they were all rather small. I suppose at this time Brian would have been too young to have known what was being said. Maybe Donna would have been too young. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Sometimes little children can pick up things, and they pick up a lot more than we think they do. We had all four of our children around the table after a service one night when a visiting neighboring pastor and his wife and their four children were also around our table. We were having a good time of fellowship. And you know, when we get together after service, fellowship usually means some sort of food or Kool-Aid or something. And we were fellowshipping. And when the other preacher's wife mentioned a third preacher in a derogatory sense I did something that night for the Boofner I never did before I don't think I've ever done it since I just pointed my finger right at that lady and I said we're not going to talk about that now the children around the table and I want my children to have confidence in that man I'm going to meet it one of these days. I'm going to meet the words that I say. The unkind words. The evil speaking. The tail-bearing. The critical words. The gossip. Whatever it is, I'm going to meet it. 
Someday the Bible tells me that every idle word shall be brought into judgment. I'm going to have to answer for the words that I've allowed slip out from between my teeth. Whether they were cutting or unkind or whether they were pure and good and clean and wholesome, I'm going to have to give an account for them one of these days. No wonder the Bible said, speak evil of no man. I've been thinking about that text much of late. What a tremendous text. What a challenging verse of Scripture that you and I do speak evil of no one. Mr. Wesley said speaking evil of someone may involve even telling the truth about someone when they're not there to defend themselves. I'm going to give an account of my thoughts at the judgment of Lord God. My thoughts of envy. My thoughts of pride. My thoughts of jealousy. My thoughts of secret desires and lusts. My thoughts of the old grudge buried down in the deep of the soul. Some time ago I was speaking with a man and the man's name came up in the conversation and this man with whom I was speaking just threw off on this other man. Well, they've always been that way. I've known them since they were small and they've always of the silver spoon and I don't know what all they had to say and I cringed and I thought oh God help this brother God help him one of these days he's going to face that attitude every hidden thing every imagination you know there are people who take trips that never cost them a nickel but may someday cost them the never-dying soul. You know how quick I can get from here to Los Angeles? Just that quick in my mind. Oh, I don't mean physically. I can imagine I'm there. And I can imagine I'm doing whatever I want to imagine I want to be doing there. We lived in the city of Los Angeles. So that is one of the suburbs for a while. I, in my imagination, can go down the Pasadena Boulevard down across the Golden State Freeway, down through where the, the stack is, where the four uh, freeways, the Hollywood, the Golden State, and the uh, Ventura, and the whatever else they are. I've been so long I've forgotten their names. I can, I can go there in my mind's eye, even though I can't tell their names. I can show you what it looks like in my mind. I can picture it. Listen, friend, there are people who take trips in their mind of imagination. They'd be embarrassed. Imagining. Oh God, don't show them what I'm thinking. But God has it written all down. My wife and I were in a store many years ago in the city of Phoenix. Dale and Karen were just small. Dale was just a tiny baby. We were in a we were in a grocery store. A woman came into that store very immodestly dressed, carelessly, tremendously immodest. I noticed a man who was in the store. He didn't seem to be shopping. He just seemed to be walking. And I watched that man. He caught my attention. And so I began to watch him. You know what he was doing? He was watching that woman. I saw him peeking through the 
potato chip racks at the end of the, of the aisle. She was down the aisle, very immodest in her dress. And there she was, and there he was. He was, I saw him looking through the potato chips at her. And you didn't have to have too much of an imagination to know what he was imagining. And I saw him as she came back down another aisle, and he got a place of advantage. Someday, he's going to have to give an account for his imagination, his thoughts. I'd like to ask you something tonight, friend. Are you ready for the books to be opened in your life? I wonder how you'd feel if I had been able to follow you from the time you arose this morning until right now. In my possession, I had had a tape recorder. And I had been somewhere able to record every word that you've said today. How would you feel? Would there be part of it you'd like to have me erase? A friend of mine was preaching not too long ago, a very delicate situation. Another friend of mine didn't think he handled it too well. And he went to this other friend and said, would you mind if we just expunged? That's a real fancy word for erase. Would you mind if we just erase part of that tape? We don't want that going out of here like that. That's all right. Do whatever you want to with it. But listen, friend. God has a tape, and he has our words, and he has our actions, and he has our thoughts, and he has our imaginations, and he has our motives. And one of these days, God's going to call the dead from where they are, and God's going to call the righteous from where they are, and he's going to gather everyone together. And the judge of all the earth who knows every motive and every intention and every heart is going to call every secret word and work into account. And when I walk away from the judgment bar of God, and when you walk away from the judgment bar of Almighty God, I'm going to go with no appeal. I'm going to go knowing that I got exactly what I deserved. While we bow our heads and close our eyes in the presence of God tonight, I don't like to preach on the judgment. But I want to tell you something, friend. My heart is burdened tonight for people that are not ready for people who have things in their record that they wouldn't want anybody to know about or wouldn't want to meet. Words that they've spoken they need to confess to Jesus. Places they've gone they don't want anybody to know about. I wonder tonight who there is with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.
Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. As it has been.